Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, hello, everybody. Sitting in. Angie's late again. <laughs> um, I mean, Angie's late for the first time. No, um, so she'll be here later, but uh, I just wanted to get every, this started. You know, we want to, I have everybody here to talk to. So um, I wanted to welcome back Doug and, and Leslie Gustafson, our uh, counselors. Yeah. Uh, they've been out for a little while, and it's glad, glad to see you back glad in here. Glad, glad to, to be, be back here. here. Yeah. And then uh, we have Cindy Everett Marsh here, uh, Angie's longtime friend, and Jennifer Bishop, our old friend although i just met you uh, so you're kind of a new friend to me who yeah. looks fabulous so right. yes i was going to say what does that mean exactly dave old dear friend. dear friend dear <laughs> yes, friend thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah so everybody uh, all the friends are here and it's good it's another good day to get mm-hmm. started and um yeah let's uh, get into it. some good news um so this first clip i have uh for you guys it's a little bit different it's not exactly good news but i thought it would spark a very good news um conversation so it's this woman and she's right here in aurora colorado and what had happened is she packs her lunch for her daughter and her daughter took the lunch to school and the lunch had cookies in it and the teacher saw the cookies and took them away and then left a note for the mom and the note said make healthier choices for your daughter and so it started this whole discussion (laughs) about so yeah and like I said it's not exactly good news but I thought that if we take the good news angle I think we could find an answer to this problem what do you guys think about this so far absolutely we can find an answer okay so let's listen to what the mom has to say and then um, and then we'll take it from there they took it over the top to say the kid can't eat it it was in their lunchbox but you can't eat it today. The director of the school did not call us back, but Aurora Public Schools says the school did give Natalie a healthy alternative to the cookies. They don't provide lunch for my daughter. I provide lunch. It's between me and the doctor on what's healthy for her. Lisa says she's not a problem parent. She just doesn't agree with the school's position, but she couldn't get an explanation from the school's director. I want to know what problem parent means. Is that just somebody who causes trouble for no reason? <laughs> There's many of them. Yeah. Many of them on the campuses these days. This would be a parent who's just always hovering around their kid, complaining about things, you know, making trouble when things don't really need to, taking over something their child should be talking to a teacher about, for example. But this is a little different. Yeah. A little different the, story. First, the first thing that came to mind when me was this is about the teacher. This right. is about the teacher. Power. And this is called displacement. And mm-hmm. this is called she's got some kind of issue going on. And then she found an outlet on these cookies because mm-hmm. it was just not about this child and completely inappropriate overstepping of boundaries of the whole family. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad the mom is standing up and saying that wasn't right because that I was not agree. right. I agree. That was not right. I hope that teacher never has a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. I mean, that's... I'm all for making better, healthier choices. Amen. But like... at the same time, it's like you get to feed your kids. Sometimes, you know, after a sandwich or instead of a banana, they can have a couple cookies sometimes. And I don't see what the big problem is or why this teacher would want to step in so much like that. Even though you know that her, her heart is probably in, in the best place. Uh, but like uh, Leslie said, it could be some displacement, something else is mm-hmm. going on in her life. And so she didn't know. To me, know. it's like a very passive aggressive 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I just could go on and on because right. I mean, we have like, serious eating and food issues oh, in huge. this country, and we have a wrong message being sent to children all of the time mm -hmm. about thinness and diets oh. and being just so. And so, you know, I just have to get defensive around it and say we need to really be, you know, loving on our children mm -hmm. and bringing out and affirming their goodness and their worth and their yes. inner beauty and not honing in on over focusing <laughs> on a cookie right <laughs> wow. balanced living right mm -hmm. so yeah maybe um, she earned that cookie yeah i mean yeah. who even knows like, right? and okay a cookie yeah uh, everybody can cookie. have a cookie every so often no one's gonna yes. you know 80, i love the 80 20 <laughs> rule you know i eat i try to eat as healthy as i can 80 percent of the time and 20 percent of the time you know i I'm to over 21, just barely. <laughs> I'll have a glass Don't of Don't tell Dr. Joe that you yes, said that. I know. I know. I know. No, Dr. Joe's cool with a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've that's had true. this conversation okay. with him. Yes. It's like he's here, but he's not here. But he's, He'll yeah, be he's, here later today. He's here. <laughs> he hovers through. Like, he, you know, what would Dr. Dr. Joe do? Exactly. I think it's always in the back of my mind. I'm like, yes, should, would Dr. Would Joe approve of me eating this? sugar aspect. Yes. So he would have considered that a very good. Uh, example, not uh, give not the way the example was given, but overall, just to point out that you know healthier choices than. Uh, well, and, yeah, it, it, we don't know. Maybe this, yeah, maybe this mom packs sugar, 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 sugar. We don't know that. An obese child. Right, obese right. Child we we don't know any of those things. But what what we do know is she wrote a note. And put it in the lunchbox. The delivery was not right on. The delivery that. was not good, and it brings up another issue about whose role is it? Right. Is it the teacher's role or is it the parent's role to be figuring out nutrition and food mm -hmm. choices? And I think there's a bigger issue behind that, though, and that's what's the what is the role of the school? Uh, and, and is it just teaching? Is it to reflect on nutritional values? Is it to create character in our kids? We ask a lot of schools mm -hmm. to be sort of a bastion of positivity uh, as we drop them off and pick them up late in the afternoon, hoping that something really good has happened. So sometimes there are things we, we hope for in a school. Maybe things like this need to be clarified. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea of the school being you know, in on what families want for their kids around nutrition and around values and around the heart we're trying to create rather than kids that are bullying one another and, and some of the egregious things yeah. we see today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that's I think that's a really good segue to my next topic too that I wanted to talk about. This is a very, very sad topic, but also I think we can approach it in, um, you know, using faith and how you can get past this and how to not only as just spectators overcome it, but how, you know, if we see our families in the situation, you know, Leslie said that this is a big problem in Douglas County. We're one of the top in the country for this problem. Yeah. But so um, over the weekend, a little girl, Mallory Grossman, committed suicide. She was only sixth grade. She was only 12 years old. And um, like Doug said, uh, you know, we like the idea of schools being involved. This girl was being severely bullied, but, and she goes to a school where there's bullying campaigns, there's anti-bullying awareness, there's all that stuff. Um, she actually was at a bullying conference or a bullying, um, you know, presentation earlier that day at school when she went home and committed suicide. She was a cheerleader. We don't know. And so... How deep do we want the role of school to get? 
Where do you guys stand on that? And what's a good way to, to get past problems like this? I, I think I have a thought on that. I think that one of the things that is emphasized in school so much is how many facts can you absorb and how well can you spit them out. And kids are under a lot of pressure to you know, create 4.0s or 4.5s to get into colleges they want to get into. But what if we had a school that sort of turned that upside down and said, no, we can continue to teach those things, but let's teach values, let's teach character from kindergarten on, let's, let's address these issues and cooperate with parents to create programs specific to that or maybe strategies around that so that our schools are known for not just producing kids that spit out facts but spit out values and live by them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wonder too, you know, again, what people knew or didn't know. Did she actually reach out at school? Was she telling people that I'm being bullied and then she wasn't being received and responded to well in that? Or was she completely hidden and isolated in it? And then her, her big act was to say, wait, me, you know, tragic, tragic, tragic. Because well, education about bullying is a whole different thing than a child saying help mm -hmm. or somebody saying, I feel like she's not doing well and checking in on her. And well, I also wonder um, how in tune and in touch mm -hmm. her family and the people that were close to her yeah, in her home space were in tune to uh, what she was dealing with mm -hmm. and how open she was about that. There's so many variables there in, is. in this story and so many angles to look at it on and it's just so it's, it's up in the air and it is tragic on how we can move forward and protect um, our children. Well, speak, oh, and that okay. raises the question too. You know, you have the brick and mortar school, you have the family that may interact in certain kinds of ways, but now we have this worldwide web. Yes. And it <laughs> transcends schools, it transcends families. Mm -hmm. Families don't know what their kids are saying on Snapchat or viewing on Facebook when they see the people having the ideal life, but I don't, mm -hmm. and bullying that takes place there. These are things that uh, you know, go, go beyond the school and sometimes overreach the family. Well, yeah, I, and that's such a great point because I, my, my guess, and I don't know the research on it, is that bullying and all of this has definitely increased absolutely. with the technolo technological age that we're in where there's so much more exposure and children have interactions with each other that are more anonymous. And you know how we de dehumanize each other and can mm, right? when we're not sitting across from somebody who's a real human being Looking and we're them. just saying things without realizing, you know, on the internet, the impact it's having on somebody else who's receiving it and that's hard to keep a beat on uh, my own personal experience our son he's now a marine reservist and he's in college to become a pilot but back in high school he went to a 5a top high school in colorado always you know in the top three for uh, football and as a junior, he decided he was going to go out for football, never played football, didn't watch football, didn't understand football, but he was a little guy. Now he's not, but he was a very little guy. He was like 120 pounds. Well, the high school he went to, they did not cut um, because it was a huge moneymaker for the school. He was like in the last string of the last and the smallest kid. And he would come home with black eyes and bruises. And he would tell us, you know, it was a hard practice. It was a hard practice. And then afterwards, and we found out that he was being bullied. And it was, I mean, widespread. The coaches know about it. And it's, it's just what they do. 
now, you know, I consider myself a pretty good parent in tune with our son. But, you know, he and maybe this girl as a cheerleader, like if you're a football player, you suck it up. You and he gets all these outside influences. And then after he got done with boot camp, he really opened up to us and he was saying, this is what was happening. And I'm like, why didn't you say anything? He goes, because I knew you would go to the school and then I would get even more bullied. Mm. Right. Right, right. And I think it speaks to um, what, looking out for the signs in a, in a way, a good way to approach people who you mm -hmm. think may be at risk of things like this, you know, and looking for all those telltale signs because people won't necessarily open up about something so, you know, so deep and so important. I think that's why they're so, you know, why it happens so often is because they hold it in and they hide it so well. Mm -hmm. But there's always those physical signs that show up after things like this, you know, anxiety. Sometimes it's like total mood swings. Sometimes it's just complete, you know, um, you know, um, panic attacks or not willing to get out of bed for mm -hmm. a long time. And that's what, I mean, and those all seem like classic teenager feelings which they it kind of is but that's why it's so difficult to see through mm -hmm. um th see through all that stuff so well we talked with him and we worked through it and he saw a great uh coach and i think that's a big reason why he went into the marines mm. <laughs> so not that bullying is ever good but and not a but not that bullying is ever good i think for our son we were able to turn it around and hopefully give him now he has the outlet of being a marine mm -hmm. and it was cool because he went back to his high school and then he's he's like all like ripped and um he's in his marine <laughs> uniform and he was like see hey, <laughs> see what i did and not you know it, it worked for him but i just it, it's just, and I've had other friends that of kids that committed suicide and one of our neighbors and yep. it's just as suicide. Oh, it's so sad and so preventable. And yes. it's impacting all of us too. Now let's, yes. let's add this too: the opioid crisis. Oh yeah. Gosh. The overdoses on heroin and narcotics. Yep. And yes. we're, yep. lo we're looking at national trends on, on increases in suicide, increases on, on drug addiction. Mm -hmm. We've got a worldwide problem. We've got at least a problem in the United States that's bigger than just this suicide issue. And yes. Suicide's a symptom of something bigger. People's lack of a uh, connection, of hope. lack of mm -hmm. fabric, lack of hope. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Jesus. So Amen. We have an answer to this. So uh, we do. And I think that that's the hope. Right I, th there. I think that's right exactly there. exactly right. And I think that um, it's a good way to fight against all of this, combat against all the stuff that we're talking about today. It are, is good influences on our lives. And yes. We're talking about how teachers can be yep. influences on our lives. And so I found this other clip for you guys where this teacher. Let's end on something really good. Woohoo! Let's do. Thanks. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it's, this is gonna end. And this guy is really, really great. So it's, um, he's, <laughs> this guy is great. He's got the biggest personality. Anyway, he uh, is a kindergarten teacher, but he's also a professional wrestler. So here, let me play this <laughs> clip and so we'll talk about it. We are moments away from elation. Five-year-old Brian Kelly has been waiting nearly six months for his dad, Air Force Captain Dan Kelly, to get back from an overseas deployment. Sorry, wrong clip. <laughs> In a classic battle of good versus evil, a professional wrestler by the name of Scyther is about to take on the dreaded Southern Hangman. This is the minor leagues of the professional wrestling world. Ring the bell. Almost all these guys have day jobs in mostly manly man professions. 
with the notable exception of this little green angry bird. When Scyther's not wrestling villains, he's singing the days of the week. Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Yes, this is his kindergarten class in Fort Myers, Florida. Come on, Lakovis. Scyther, a.k.a. Steve D'Amico, has been doing both jobs for about two years now. Crisscross. Right in the middle. Boom. Pound him into applesauce. What a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, the, the lives, they don't, they don't mesh well together. At least they don't seem like they do. You're saying they do? There's similarities between the two, I think. What are the similarities? I think that you have to have a dynamic personality for both. You come in the classroom, it's a prepared performance. And certainly, nice job. if you can feign injury, that helps too. So hard. Days of the week. Steve got his degree in elementary education back in 2011. He applied to a dozen schools, but no one wanted him. Until he got a call from Three Oaks Elementary. So there's a little bit more. There's another part of this clip, but um, I just wanted to say that I think it's so important to have an influence like this in your life. I think, uh, personally, I had Mr. Alders. He was my third grade teacher. He taught me... Uh, you know, just how to like tap into my imagination and how to use all the things that my gifts for what it is to navigate through life. And I just think I still hold on to that from third grade. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just so important to have influence like that. Okay. So here, let me, let me do this last part of this clip and then we'll talk about it. Did you just not put the wrestling on I the resume? I put the wrestling on the resume and that's what got me the job because they said, wow. No, 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 no. Yeah. All they needed to hear was he's a professional wrestler. I, I mean, you got I don't the know job. If that put it over the top for them. I don't know, but I just remember well, we're that. We're going to find out. Yeah. Jody Moorhead is the school principal. I've been doing this a lot of years, and I trust my instincts. And I just saw something in Stephen that I thought he would be great in our school. Just had such enthusiasm. And that's how the future of America became entrusted to this soon-to-be soprano. Despite his writhing, Steve says he loves both jobs. But if forced to choose, he says he would have to pick the profession with the fewest intimidating characters. In other words, he'd pick wrestling. So the Southern Hangman does not intimidate you, but little Johnny Smith does? <laughs> yes. After the end of the match, if anything goes wrong, I'll have to talk to the Southern Hangman's parents afterwards. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought... That was a really, really great. I imagine being a kindergarten teacher is probably very much like being a pro wrestler. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> a lot of pretending. You got to fall down a lot. I have two little kids, so I understand. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you got to fall down a lot, pretend like you're hurt all the time. Diversity of spirit, and he actually just <laughs> seems like a big kid and a big marshmallow himself mm -hmm. in the yeah. most beautiful way. Yes, yes, and that's what struck out, struck me most was his attitude and his presence, like what he was calling himself into, and really embracing. Yeah, like he had big energy, big character, but he also was like, I'm going in there and I'm performing which says I'm stepping up and I'm stepping into and I'm going to do something good here. Well, I think it's cool how he he, he took his gifts, his God-given gifts, and and saw that they were together. Like, yeah. they're the same. Or, you know, you need a dynamic personality to do this. So good yeah. for him. Way to go, Steve. Attitude for the Sither, yeah. Sither, Seether. Seether, yeah. Seether. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys all for being here. Um, um, Jennifer Bishop, why don't you tell everybody how to get a hold of you? Uh, www.livingyourpotential.com. And uh, Doug, Doug and Leslie? Uh, AuthenticandTrue.com. Lots of free resources there to help you grow. And Cindy Everett Marsh is still coming. Is still in being built. Okay, <laughs> it's coming. So soon, coming soon. Cindy Thank Everett Marsh. You, Dave. Thank you very much. Okay, and we'll be right back.
Good News of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Denver Rescue Mission's annual turkey drive needs your help to reach their goal of 15,000 turkeys this year, and they've made it easier than ever to help your community members in need. Just pick one of two ways to donate. You can either drop off a frozen turkey at the main shelter downtown or simply go to denverrescuemission.org and buy a turkey online. Your donations will go directly to those in need at the annual Denver Rescue Mission Thanksgiving Feast. But the community turkey drive also helps other members of the community by assisting hundreds of community outreach agencies across the Denver metro area. To make your donations, please bring a frozen turkey weighing 12 pounds or more to our main shelter on the corner of Lawrence Street and Park Avenue. Or to make a contribution online, visit denverrescuemission.org. This is your opportunity to make this a happy holiday season for all. Donate a turkey to the Denver Rescue Mission today. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassador. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-J. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the number? 303-238-Jane. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-Jane. Yes, 303-238-Jane. Arcthrift.org. Does cool. Arc make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. You are special. Arcthrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for Arc? I love... Welcome back to the good news. Well, uh, Medicare, let's be honest, it can be confusing. I know it is for my mom. Rebecca Rabbit, PharmD from Express Scripts, is here to uh, help us to break things down, make it a little bit more understandable. Welcome. Hi, Angie. Thank you for having me. All right, Rebecca, let's talk about open enrollment and why should seniors review plans during this time every year? A lot of them are like, ah, I did it last year. I don't need to do it again this year. Why should, why should they review every year? They should review because most plans make some pretty significant changes, either in the drugs that are covered or in the pharmacies that are in their network. And there could be great opportunities for seniors to save money, either on premiums or co-pays for their medications, or even save money by uh, pharmacies that are in the network and may offer an, a discount to, phar- to seniors to patronize those pharmacies. The All open right. enrollment period is October. Go ahead. I was going to say October October 15th through December 7th. So it's really important to start the process early. Okay, October 15th through D- December 7th. So let's talk about um, the top you know, things, the most important things that older Americans should know about enrolling in the Part D plan. Sure. So for new uh, beneficiaries or new seniors that are just turning 65, the process can be really uh, confusing and overwhelming because many of them have a choice of 20 to 30 plans in their area. Wow. And I know for me, more than five gets kind of confusing. Uh-huh. So a good framework helps to say, what are those things I should be looking for? And Express Scripts has published this framework on roadmapformedicare.com. It's a website that has a newsletter with tips 
and a video and some pointers to think about the four most important things to remember when picking a Part D plan. And first is the premium. We know that that is really important to seniors, but it's not the only thing. The second thing is to look at the medications that are covered. It's important. These are called formularies, and it's the list of medications that a plan will help cover part of the cost of. And then secondly is to think about the donut hole. So for seniors that are on a significant number of medications, they may hit a donut hole, which means this is a time when they pay a little bit more at the pharmacy than they normally would have earlier on in the benefit. And then the fourth thing is to look at the pharmacy. Many plans now have what they call preferred pharmacies, which means it costs you a little bit less to go to one of the preferred pharmacies than a different one. So if a senior is willing to change pharmacies, they could save some money there. Interesting. Okay. Well, those are good things to be aware of. And as you mentioned, that's all on uh, roadmap for Medicare.com. So let's talk about Medicare penalties um, and also... Uh, you know, when people turn 65, what are the Medicare penalties that they should, you know, be aware of? Great question. So when you turn 65, you become Medicare eligible, and that eligibility period starts three months before you turn 65, includes the month of your birthday, and then three months after you turn 65. And for those who are relatively healthy and take no medications, you might think, uh, I'm not going to sign up. I'm going to wait till I actually need coverage. And that's not a good idea. And the reason that's not a good idea is because you get a penalty, a 1% penalty for every month you wait. So if you wait two years, you've got 24% that you'll be paying in a penalty oh boy. that you could have avoided by going in earlier. So it's really important to evaluate the plans and join um, during your enrollment period. Now, if you're still working and you have coverage uh, through an employer, you still have some time. It's really when you retire and you no longer have coverage through an employer or you're 65 and no longer working that you need to really evaluate Medicare plans and choose one uh, while you're eligible. And understand these new ID cards they're going to get will help protect seniors as well? They will. Um, previous Medicare cards used to have a Social Security number or maybe a spouse's Social Security number on it, and that was determined to really not be a good idea. So Medicare is issuing new Medicare beneficiary identification cards, and those should be coming out in April of 2018. So those that are currently Medicare uh, recipients or participating in Medicare should expect to see a card early, a new card earlier next year with a different identification number on it. it Wonderful. Should be protected. Rebecca, would you give us those websites as well? I understand there's roadmapformedicare.com and also. There is medicare.gov, uh, which is the site sponsored by the federal government. Um, on that site, Seniors can actually go and compare plans through a plan finder. Wonderful. Thank you, Rebecca. Well, you know that we're animal lovers here on the show, so I was thrilled when uh, we were offered the interview with Katherine Schwarzenegger, and the book is Maverick and Me, and Maverick is the cutest little stinking puppy you've ever seen on the cover of the kids' book. Welcome, Katherine Schwarzenegger. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so beautifully illustrated children's book. Can't wait for my daughter, Hope, who's been begging and writing letters to Santa for I don't know how many years now to get a dog. She's 10 now. Her sister's 8, Hope and Faith. And so they want a doggy Aww. so badly, and they will love this book. So give us the lowdown of what Maverick and Me is about and why you wrote it. So I have been a huge animal lover my entire life, and uh, I, you know, have my own dog, Maverick, which is the inspiration for this book. I, um, I f- started fostering puppies a couple years ago, um, kind of by accident, because I was walking on the street, and this local store needed some fosters over the holidays, and uh, my sister and I signed up to do it, and it was such an incredible and rewarding experience for me. And um, I got my final dog, which turned out to be what they call a foster failure because I ended up keeping him, and it was Maverick. <laughs> and um, I got him I got him at two weeks old, and it was such an incredible experience, and I developed such a close bond with him that I ended up, uh, you know, falling in love with him and having to keep him and actually officially adopt him and seeing how kids reacted to meeting Maverick and uh, hearing about his story and the idea that you could get a dog that came with a story um, and just teaching kids about, you know, dog adoption and the option of rescuing a pet instead of buying one was such a fun thing for me to teach kids about that I wanted to write the book to, you know, teach all kids about the option of animal rescue. So when the, their time comes to get their first pet, they might choose to adopt one instead of buy one. And I have to say that um, the the picture, real life picture, and uh, the drawing are so similar with his one ear up, one ear down. It's just adorable. He's so stinking cute. I know. Cute. It's, it's his little signature. Is his little uh, his ears that go the other way. And it's funny because when I got him when he was two weeks old, he was so little and this like little tiny fluff ball, and both of his ears were down. And over the next couple of months of me having him, they both went up, oh. and then they just kind of one stayed up and one went down, and it turned out to be his signature look, and his ears are always like that. So people always are asking me, like, can he control his ears, or <laughs> does he just do that with his ears? But it, it made for a cute cover of the book, so I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> so was this part of your, you know, like a family life, your upbringing, your childhood, having animals around? Was that something your parents allowed you to do? Because I feel a little bit like an ogre because my kids haven't got one yet. Was that, was that a big thing for you, or was fostering them your first, like, entree into the dog adoption world? Yeah, I mean, my parents, um, you know, were big believers in having us kids grow up around a bunch of different animals, Um, and I think that it's so great and such a huge gift to be able to have kids grow up around animals because um, it teaches them so much about responsibility and, you know, all the work that goes into having a pet, and uh, and my parents were really big on that, so I learned a lot about that when I was little, and it definitely, uh, it developed my love for animals um, and, you know, being comfortable around animals and just having a huge love for them and wanting to help them and um, and also make a difference. And I, you know, not only grew up in a family where animals were a huge part of my family and loving them, but also being able to make a difference in the world was also a big part of my upbringing. And so for me to be able to use my passion to make a difference um, and uh, and hopefully, you know, help animals is such a blessing for me to be able to do and to do that through a children's book is even more fun for me. So um, I hope that, you know, people read this book and learn about responsibility, but also learn about, 
the uh, the concept that you can really make a difference in uh, you know in the lives of animals by taking uh, a chance and deciding to give them a second chance at life and at love and um, and adopting. And again, if you're just joining us, Catherine Schwarzenegger's book is Maverick and Me with her little guy Maverick, her own real-life dog uh, in the story in the kid's book. Now, you mentioned philanthropy. Um, I know that you've been writing more as well. I know that you're um, a you know, blogger and author. Obviously, this is the book, so you authored this. But the philanthropy, quite a long line of women philanthropists. I mean, you're not just your mother, but your grandmother, for younger people, we may not know that she was, I mean, that's what her life was about, right? I mean, is this come from grandma on down? Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone in my family, um, you know, for all of us, philanthropy is a huge part of our lives. And also, um, I think what's so great about my family and having such a big family is that there are so many different ways um, to get involved in various different causes because there are so many people that have, you know, their own causes that they're passionate about. So there's really not a shortage of, uh, of, you know, avenues that you can go down in my family. So, um, you know, my my mom does a huge amount of work with Alzheimer's and and, uh, oh, and women's cool. brain health, and you know, my dad does a lot of work uh, with the environment and also with you know kids in after school programs, and you know, my uncles are all very involved. So for me, you know, my avenue was uh, with animals, animals, and that's where my passion is and and where my heart is. And so to be able to be an ambassador for the ASPCA is is such an incredible thing for me because I can really, you know get involved and be able to uh, to help out and raise awareness about various issues and topics that go on in, in our country around animals. Um, and so for me to be able to have my rescue dog is just one part of it. It's a huge part of it for me, but it's, uh, you know, one of my really big overarching passions for animals and being a voice for the voiceless. I love that. You know, I, I crack up because, um, you know, over the years I've done a lot of interviews, especially when I worked in Los Angeles, and you're going to laugh when the funniest thing your mom ever said that has stuck with me with my own children, uh, I know your mom had four and I've got three, and mine are younger, they're eight, ten, and uh, 12 now. And so she said something about you girls, I don't remember if it was you or your sister that said it, but she said something about, you know, when you guys were teenagers and something to the effect of something she was wearing, like, oh my gosh, mom, are you going to like wear those shoes? And I thought there's there's going to come a day where my kids, if, if Maria can be looked at, if Maria's children can think she's not cool at that point, you know, when you were a teenager, I'm sure now you think she's awesome. But if, if Maria's kids thought she wasn't cool, when is that, like, I'm waiting for that day when my kids say, are you really going to wear that out of the house? Like, I'm dreading it because it hasn't happened yet. But that totally cracked me up. But then there was a time, okay, so I'm sure when you were a teenager, you still knew your mom was awesome. But when, when, did, you change, when did you turn back into that adult that went, my mom's amazing? I mean, I've always thought my mom's amazing. I think, you know, when it comes to fashion choices, I'm sure when you're growing up and you're a teenager, you always are <laughs> are, are uh, a work in progress. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, you think that your parents are as well. So that story does not surprise me. But I've always thought that, you know, my mom was an incredible and uh, is to this day the most incredible woman that I know. So I feel really lucky and blessed to have her as my mom and um, to have her as, you know, the greatest support system for me to, you know, to do projects like this. And 
Yeah. Um, and she helps me with everything. So. Well, Catherine, what's so cool to me, I think, is that you kids seem to really get it from what I can tell. Um, that, um, yeah, a lot of kids grow up with money. A lot of kids grow up with fame, blah, blah, blah. We get that. Okay, that's great. But what you guys grew up with was a sense of being kind to others with that, that you know your parents are a blessing. But it's not just because of the privilege that you guys seem to get it, that you use the privilege for good, that you have things, but you use your, yeah. it's like your superpower, you know, you use for good that, you know, you're writing a book to help, you know, kids realize they can rescue animals. Isn't that a blessing, you know, that you're able to use all of this for good? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, something that I think my grandma really instilled in all of us that, um, you know, using your platform for good and being able to make a difference. And, uh, you know, even though my grandma isn't with us today, I think, you know, I still have her voice in my head constantly telling me, uh, you know, to make a difference and to, to, you know, work with what I'm passionate about and, um, and make the world a better place while you're here. And, um, and for me, that's just something that, you know, that feels very natural to me. Um, so I can't imagine not doing that. And I feel really blessed to have, you know, been raised to, um, to try to live your life, uh, to the greatest, but also to be able to make sure that you give back to your community and make a difference where you can because uh, it's the most important work that you can do is to help others, and that includes animals as well. Well, and how cool for your grandma to leave a legacy like that because not only did she impact people around the world, but how proud she must have been and must be that she instilled that into you. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I'm, I, my middle name is Eunice, so I have a Aww. constant reminder <laughs> to always to uh, you know to always remember all the things that she's taught me and and my family, and uh, and it's a it's a constant reminder to give back and to, you know, make the world a better place. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. What a blessing to have you on. Catherine Schwarzenegger, uh, the book Adorable, Maverick so and Me, illustrated by Phyllis Harris. And um, obviously they can get it on Amazon. Is there a website that you have as well, Catherine? Um, yeah, you can get it on Amazon or, you know, as of today, it's available in bookstores. So it's in Barnes & Noble. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com or in just your local bookstore as you see there. So I'm excited. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Can't wait to show um, my Girls Hope and Faith book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Angie. All right. A great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where... YMCA the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining. There is the craft shop. They love the roller skating. There is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, tennis. Uh, We spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind-blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCAtherockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCA of the Rockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool.
Denver Rescue Mission's annual turkey drive needs your help to reach their goal of 15,000 turkeys this year, and they've made it easier than ever to help your community members in need. Just pick one of two ways to donate. You can either drop off a frozen turkey at the main shelter downtown or simply go to denverrescuemission.org and buy a turkey online. Your donations will go directly to those in need at the annual Denver Rescue Mission Thanksgiving Feast, but the community turkey drive also helps other members of the community by assisting hundreds of community outreach agencies across the Denver metro area. To make your donations, please bring a frozen turkey weighing 12 pounds or more to our main shelter on the corner of Lawrence Street and Park Avenue, or to make a contribution online, visit denverrescuemission.org. This is your opportunity to make this a happy holiday season for all. Donate a turkey to the Denver Rescue Mission today. Angie Austin here. I think I have an idea for you to help you out with your holiday gift list. You know, when it comes around to Christmas, I think a lot of people are confused what to get the people they love, in particular, maybe wives. Dr. Jillian is joining us, and Dr. Jillian has a really neat way where you can just call her office, and then you can set up your own gift list, or you can purchase a gift certificate for someone, and she gives us here at the station very good deals. Welcome, Dr. Jillian. Thank you, Angie. Good morning. Um, Yeah, we have a wonderful program this year for holiday shopping. You can call our office and set up a wish list. We offer all kinds of treatments like laser hair removal, uh, advanced facial care like dermaplaning and laser genesis treatments. Um, So you can set up a wish list that we will then pass on to your husband, boyfriend, wife, friend, whoever you you think might need some ideas for the holidays. Um, We also are offering gift certificates. um, So $75 for every $100 purchased. So your cost is 75 but you get $100 in credit. Um, and wow. you can no, call us anytime really and buy those. No, because my husband buys big gift certificates. So if he wanted to spend, if he wanted a $500 gift certificate, it would cost him 25 less per 100 So let's say 200 yes. would be 150 Yes. Wow. That's really good. <laughs> yes. It's a really nice way. And then that gives, you know, the person you're buying for the freedom to choose what they want to do off of our menu of services, which is takes the pressure off of you to find the right gift. Okay. So a $500 gift certificate would be 375 And you can actually yes, get ma'am. a lot for that. You can get dermaplaning and a you facial can. and some laser hair removal. I mean, you really could spend a day at the office per se getting, you know, treatments done, or you could break it up and use it for different lunchtime treatments. And something else right. that Dr. Jillian offers is if your the hair is thinning or you're losing your hair, she has a new program um, called Bloom. So we've got from weight loss to hair loss to adult acne, to skin issues, to lasers, to hair removal. I mean, really, it runs the gamut of beauty treatments and self-care treatments. Yes, and most of the programs that we offer work best when done in a series anyway. So you can come in and get your one facial, but if you're really combating acne or pigment or wrinkles or anything like that, it usually works best in a series of three or five, which is what those gift certificates are great for as well. Okay. All right. I love that. All right. Let's, uh, okay. So again, you call Dr. Jillian's office and you can do one of two things. You can buy a gift certificate for $100, which will only cost you $75 and each increment of $100, same thing. So $200 will cost you $150. So that's great because then you're giving the person a nice fat gift certificate and you get a nice fat 25% discount on the certificate. So thank you for that uh, offer for, uh, you know, KLZ people and then and KLTT people. Um, But also, uh, in addition to that, you can set up your own wish list. So you can call the office and say, 
look, I want a note sent to my husband and I want to tell him I want this, this, and this, or I want a gift certificate in this amount. And you'll actually email that to the person of their choice or people of their choice so that people will know exactly what you want for Christmas. Is that right? Yeah. Isn't it nice when you get like exactly what you want and you don't even really have to drop the hint yourself? (laughs) So yeah, call us up, let us know what you want, and we will send that off to your people. Excellent. All right. Well, tell us, we've got a little bit of time. Tell us about, well, first, give us your phone number. Our phone number is 303-457-6710. That's 303-457-6710. And you can call or text us at that number. And again, that'll be 25% off any gift certificate you purchase. And then they'll also take your wish list for Christmas or your birthday or whatever and send it to the person or people of your choice if they'll know exactly what you want. We have about a minute left. You want to tell us about bloom? Like if my hair, if you're losing your hair, it's thinning, like mine's thinning on top. And then you've got guys who are actually like seriously losing their hair and you're seeing results with bloom? We are. So the best candidates for our procedure are people who aren't don't actually have completely bald patches, but those with thinning hair. And the reason is that your hair follicles, as they sort of degenerate, go from a terminal hair, like the hair on the top of your head, to a vellus hair, like the hair on the side of a woman's face. And so what we can do with our procedure is is transform those vellus hairs back into terminal hairs. And we've had some really great results. We're about three months in on our trial patients, and um, they're all seeing great results, um, very happy with the treatments. So, um, yeah, we'd love to see you to do a free consultation on our Bloom procedure. Excellent. All right, give us your number. And again, the website, loveyourskindenver.com, loveyourskindenver.com, and the phone? 303-457-457. 6710. That's 303-457-6710. You can call or text us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.